Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me is Greg. Hey. And a guest host, Benjamin Royer. Say hi, Ben. Hi, guys. Ben is a contributing writer to All Bruins, a Sports Illustrated website talking about all things UCLA. He's going to be joining with with us talking about Pac-12 hoops today. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod, and feel free to email us at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. And follow Ben at at is it at the Benjamin is it at Benjamin Royer? What is it? It's at the Ben Royer right. on. All social medias, yes. At the Ben Royer. Sorry, I always I was I meant to put that in here and I didn't. Uh, anyway, this is our basketball episode recapping the week in Pac-12 hoops. Who's up? Who's down? And everything in between. Let's start as we normally do with a little peak of the pack. And now the peak of the pack. <laughs> As always, so much pomp and circumstance for one week of Pac-12 basketball. As usual, every week we talk about which Pac-12 teams had the best week in the league and which teams we were most impressed with. We don't get to talk about every single game. That would be absolutely insane. So this is kind of our way of talking about what happened around uh, the Pac-12. So Ben, let's start with you. Who was your peak of the Pac over the past week? Well, my peak of the Pac, I know this may come as a surprise, Big win over the weekend. It's Cal. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I, love I, it. I am dead I love serious it. with my peak of the pack over here. Defeating Santa Clara, which, by the way, is a top-tier Western Conference team this year. So I think this is shows that Mark Fox has the Golden Bears on the up. And um, I think that uh, Cal deserves a, a great mention during this episode. Uh, you know, I love this mm-hmm. because I think we gave them honorable mention peak of the pack earlier this year for not being embarrassing. And this week, not only were they not embarrassing, but they beat Santa Clara, like uh, like Ben said. And I think I think I saw Lenardi earlier this year had uh, Santa Clara as a tournament team. So, uh, yeah, it's an impressive win. Yeah, and I think that... Um... I think that Andre Kelly's been playing very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this Cal team, though maybe lacking in overall talent, has a lot of veteran pieces that can push them towards um, the end of this conference slate. Maybe they finish somewhere in the middle instead of the dead bottom. Yeah, I, I uh, that's a good point. And I guess I didn't really consider. And I guess Santa Clara did beat Stanford earlier this season. Um, and Stanford just beat Oregon. <laughs> So they have a transitive win over Oregon, I guess. Uh, not that not that I think they would have needed it. Um, okay, I mean that's a that's a good one. I'm I I did not consider them. I guess I didn't put much weight into beating Santa Clara, but maybe maybe I'm a casual. I just don't pay attention to the truck stop leagues. Yeah, Carlos, you should really start watching uh, teams outside your own. <laughs> uh, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, Greg, what about you? Who is peak of the pack for you? Well. Um, I'll pick the boring team, 
I'll go Arizona. I mean, that game against Illinois was really, really good. Uh, ben Matherin was awesome. Like, just torched him. Uh, and uh, Christian Coloco's defense, man, it was just awesome. Like, the highlights of the block he had on uh, Kofi Coburn, where, like, Kofi's much stronger than him, and he was pushing him into the basket, but, like, Coloco gets up there and gets the block, and then uh, Arizona scores on the breakaway going down, which, like, put them firmly in control at the end of the game. Uh, it was really impressive all around for them, and Kirk Kreisa had a fantastic second uh, second half. Really, they looked like one of the best teams in the country, I think, in that game, and on the season. I think they're underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> uh, I think the idea that, you know, Arizona was really able to take Coburn out of the game for most of, you know, both halves um, was quite impressive, especially considering Plummer was leading the Illinois offense. I think if Illinois had both Coburn and Plummer working at the same time, it would have been much more difficult for Arizona. But Coloco being able to be that huge presence, especially this entire season, um, wouldn't be, I don't think it's out of this world to say he is the best big man in the Pac-12. So I think that uh, he's really proving himself early on, proving himself as a, a top player in the conference and as a lottery pick. And this just showed how great Arizona can be in a tough road environment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people need to realize that Illinois is not ranked in the top 25, but coming into this, they were a top 15 team in Ken Palm. Um, and uh, it was all, I mean, I, I watched the entirety of this game and it was fun. Like that was, that was a fun game to watch. It was, um, it was terrifying early on. I was not having a good time because the worst thing as a UCLA fan, I think that I wanted to see was Arizona blowing the doors off of Illinois and in the first like five minutes, it kind of looked like it was trending that way. Like Arizona blitzed Illinois quick, um, right out of the gate. Um, I was I was glad that <laughs> Illinois showed some fight because I was about to get kind of scared. Um, but no, this is a good game from Arizona. I thought like they did a good job on Kofi Coburn. I had never seen him before. Like I've I've heard his name as like a a player to watch even before mm-hmm. this game. Um, but watching him against Arizona's like seven foot bigs, holy shit, he's huge. He's massive. Like yeah. he's just he's like like in addition to just being tall, and apparently he's seven foot. I'm sorry, he looks like seven five out there, frankly. Um he's seven foot, but he's just like wide. Like he's got massive shoulders and it like mm-hmm. just a, like a big muscular dude and and Kind of, I I was surprised. I was kind of looking at his stat line, five for fifteen on the night. I was surprised that he didn't have more, and he he mm-hmm. he, had, he wasn't able to shoot better because when he got the ball down low on the block, he was he was pushing Azulis Tubelis and Christian Coloco again, both seven footers or close to it. He was pushing them wherever he wanted, um, and just absolutely no resistance from any of the Arizona bigs, but Arizona did a really nice job of sending two at him and forcing him to pass out, um, forcing him to, you know, uh, into some turnovers and forcing him to make, to, to get it out of the post. So I was really impressed there. Um, I, I am. So Arizona's guards offensively. Awesome. Kirk Kreisa had a really slow start. Like you mentioned and, and really turned it on the second half. Ben Matherin was fucking flames. He was getting it everywhere. This makes me wonder a little bit though about um, the guards of uh, the def- the the defensive play of those guards. Um, Trent Frazier 
went for 27 points off 15 shots, which is insane to me. Six for 11. Um, and Alfonso Plummer, if Utah fans remember that name, uh, transfer from Utah, really could use his scoring right now. He had 25 points off 16 shots, six for 14 from three. And I know <laughs> like a number of those were just like insane shots from out of nowhere, like step back contested threes, or they were like shots that were six feet past behind the uh, three point line. But some of them were just good looks. Um, and it, it makes me wonder a little bit about Kirk, the the ability of Kirk Creesa and the ability of Ben Matherin to guard some of those players. And maybe it's because they were doing so much in the offensive end. But that's one thing probably to watch out for. But anyway, I, I mean, it was still an impressive win to go into Urbana Champagne in a true road environment and to pull that out. Like it was, it was good. I mean, they did a good job. Um, my peak of the pack, I think it's, I, I think it's Arizona. I'll throw in though. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say UCLA, and I hope that's not like me being a homer here. Um, they, de- they did beat Marquette pretty comfortably for most of it. Um, they had some brutal road travel issues. Uh, apparently, they had to take an emergency landing on their flight from Los Angeles to Milwaukee. I guess like a windshield was cracked or something. And um, apparently like the masks even came down, like the oxygen masks, uh, kind of a scary situation a trip from hell, like a trip, an eventful trip that absolutely no one uh, wants to go through. It's just kind of scary. Um, and then they got there. I think they stayed the night in Denver and then they got to Milwaukee to play Marquette in a true road game um, at like, what what was it been 10 30 local time i think 10 30 a.m yeah local time yeah it was 10 30 a.m local time um for that for a game that day so brutal trip but they did end up making it and despite all that defensively they were good ucla's defense was solid um i was impressed i would say it was solid but let's not let's not uh give too much credit to the ucla defense in this game they didn't have much work to do uh, Marquette couldn't find the bucket in the first half, even if they wanted to. Um, some of the three-point attempts that Marquette was attempting was it was uh, pickup basketball. I mean, they are. I remember earlier in the season, you see, they took on UNLV at Thomas and Mac, and it was, you know, UNLV has a few players that they just shoot. They don't think about the play in, in advance. And I think that's the same thing we saw with Marquette. And I watched Marquette defeat Kansas State earlier in the week, and they were doing the same thing, but the only difference was is at least half of those three-point attempts went in the basket, and it kept them in, and they won. Um, I think I would give props to Johnny Juzang in this game. I mean, he really wasn't a huge offensive factor. I think that was really Jaime Hawkes Jr. in this game. But... His defense really was improved. I mean, he had three steals. There were multiple times where I looked at the TV and I was like, you know, Mick Cronin's probably thrilled with some of the deflections he's getting. It may not show up on the stat line at the end, but we sure know that the UCLA coaches take track of those statistics. So I think some of the guard work uh, has improved from Johnny Juzang, and I think that's what NBA scouts want to see as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think defensively, I, I, I kind of... I had seen the uh, the Marquette was taking bad shots, take floating around on Twitter from a few folks, and like I get it, but um, 
I, I guess that I, I, what I saw was I, I thought UCLA did a really good job of forcing them into some tough shots. And in a lot of those possessions, even when when Marquette was taking bad shots, I still felt like UCLA was forcing Marquette to go deep into the shot clock. Um, and I think, I mean, I think if you want to have a critique of UCLA's defense, I think they were very good for the first 15 minutes of this game, kind of led up towards the end of the first half. Um, and then that kind of carried over a little bit into the second, the start of the second half, and then had a good stretch where for about 10 minutes where they were really solid defensively. Um, I get it. I, I, I think I tend to give UCLA a little bit more credit for the defense. I, I mean, certainly considering that they've had some brutal defensive performances this season, um, that are uncharacteristic, to string together, I don't know, what has it been? It's been this game. It's been the Colorado game. It's been the UNLV game. Um, three really solid defensive performances. And then, obviously, holding Washington to zero points. Um. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> its most impressive performance this season. I mean. Scored nothing. Only the teams hold people to zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Get out of there with a win and zero points allowed. Yeah. Um, and Miles Johnson, From, that game, looked Yeah, that's looked what good. I was going to say. Go ahead. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me uh, again, with for UCLA against Marquette was Miles Johnson looked great. Like his hands were were functional. He was catching things. He wasn't just tapping rebounds out like he was going up and getting it. And uh, he looked good in the post too. Like great, great touch on the layups and uh, got moves to get there. Like I was, I was very impressed with him. He didn't look like an, a liability on either end at any point in that game for me, which is good to see because. They need that for him. They need that from him while Cody Riley's out, and they'll probably need that from him even when Cody Riley plays in a lot of games. Yeah, I want to jump off with what Greg is saying here. Um, I think that Miles Johnson, the last few games, has been really impressive for the Bruins. Um, I think he got an unfair rap early on, especially in his first few games, especially right after Cody Riley went down with an injury. Yeah, he was forced to start right away for the Bruins, and I don't think that's something that Mick Cronin was expecting or Miles Johnson was expecting either. And it he he's not comfortable with that pick and roll that Cody Riley is so good at, and I think he's finally finding his um, comfortable areas on the court where his teammates, especially Tiger Campbell, know that they can feed him now. And I think Cody Riley will likely get some minutes Wednesday against Alabama State. Um, and I think that since he's going to be getting minutes, Miles Johnson's going to be able to breathe a little more. I think, uh, especially against Marquette, Mick Cronin ditched the idea of having Kenny Nwuba in the game pretty quickly. And, uh, that forced Miles Johnson into much more minutes than he probably is expecting at this point in the season. Yeah, certainly having Cody Riley in there will will give UCLA some good depth. Having Miles Johnson come off the bench against the second rotation there, that'll be nice. Um, any other peaks of the pack? Uh, do we mention USC? Like they're not, it wasn't spectacular, but they are still undefeated. They, they are still undefeated. Um, I think Long Beach State is the devil. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Two LA schools now that they've kind of given a good push to. Yeah. It's quite impressive. And I think, um, throw them in the pac 12 and they're finishing uh, in the middle of the conference because, uh, some of their guards, they just have random nights where they go off <laughs> for absurd hot streaks. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I think USC deserves a good shot as well. Um, Boogie Ellis is a fantastic basketball player. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, you get to March and you have to face off against Boogie Ellis. I don't think I want to face off against Boogie Ellis. Uh huh. If he's hot, uh, come tournament time, that'll be really fun to watch. Yeah. He had a couple moments in this game. He was much louder than his stat line is. He had eight points, three rebounds, three assists, three steals. I mean, really. I mean, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I was not. I did not notice his defense, but apparently that's that's something he did. But eight points off eight shots. He's been through kind of a a rough stretch, um, but got much better looked much better in the second half of that uh long beach state game long beach state uh yeah their offense <laughs> they were cooking early on against usc but uh usc kind of put down the clamps um and long beach state really just kind of didn't get anything going for about a good seven minutes like out of the gate of the half um yeah fair to shout them out another team i'm gonna shout out here um i i don't I don't know if I, I want to, but I will anyway. Arizona State, they won two times. Um, they beat Oregon, although I guess we talked about that last week, but I kind of count those together. And they beat Grand Canyon, which apparently Grand Canyon is supposed to be okay. Again, I don't know, truck stop team, truck stop leagues. Um, but they went 2-0. and it's impressive to beat a national park. I think it's, <laughs> it's true. It's yeah, a canyon. A force of nature. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Arizona State, I'm not sure if they're deserving of a shout. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, scraping by against Grand Canyon, it doesn't show too much, in my opinion, at this point in the season. Um, the win against Oregon, Stanford did the same, you yeah. know. Um, and I think Stanford has a higher chance at this point in the season of beating some of the other Pac-12 teams as well. Um, until Arizona State really finds who they're going to trust to be shooting the ball consistently. I don't... Yeah. I don't see a path for them, especially defensively. I think they've they've really struggled defensively. I think they've and been. I feel like I really like their defensive effort. Actually, I think they don't always know where to be, but I feel like their effort is good. Yeah, but you're right. It's their offense. The unwatchable shit from Arizona State. Oh, and <laughs> so Bobby Her- Bobby Hurley, I think, has the Steve Alford mindset of offense. Which oh, is totally. Called. You you run and you shoot the ball. There's no play. You just run. <laughs> yeah, that's Hurley ball. That's a hundred percent Hurley ball. And um. When you don't have the shooters or the athletes to run hurley ball, there is no ball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's brutal. Well, okay, how about let's move on to our next segment because we've uh, sounds like we've exhausted our shoutouts here. Uh, let's go to down bad, um, where we talk about who in the week has not uh had a great week. Every week we talk about the teams, players, coaches, whoever who had the crummiest week. So. Greg, you start us off. Who is down bad this week? Uh, well, another week of down bad means another week of talking about Oregon. Uh, they lost to Stanford, and uh, they're just they're just bad. They're just bad. They're not a good basketball team. Uh, I just, I keep waiting for Will Anderson to look like the player we want him to be. You mean Will Richardson. That's what I meant to say. Will Anderson is the linebacker for alabama <laughs> <laughs> we're in basketball season greg Get with i'm it. sorry uh yeah i keep waiting for will richardson to be the player that we we think he can be but like five of 13 is not super impressive and uh they just they just don't when have they looked good this season yeah they really haven't and i think that Will Richardson really needs to be the shooter that Dana Altman wa- really badly wants him to be. I mean, Altman trusts him to be that guy. I think mm-hmm. that's shown throughout the season. He's getting those minutes to prove himself, 
and he's just falling short with every opportunity he gets. And a game you really should be winning is against Stanford. Home or away, it really doesn't matter. It's Stanford. Mm-hmm. You, you want to beat Stanford. I mean, I feel like in every sport, every <laughs> Pac-12 team can decide that Stanford is the team you want to beat. Because when Stanford beats you, it's on your conscience for months and months and yeah, months. Just ask Oregon football, yeah. There you go. I mean, they've they've, they've hit the double double combo here. Um, and I, I, I just don't see a route for Oregon to get better soon. But I think by February, they should have some of their some of their stuff figured out. Um, they're always a dangerous team to face off against. That, mm-hmm. That's never doubted. When you have Dana Altman coaching a team, I'm, I'm worried, you know? Mm-hmm. I, if I'm a coach, I'm not looking forward to that game. But right now, I see Oregon, and it's, it's like, oh, it's, I'm facing, facing off against Cal, you know? Yeah. It's not the same Oregon as years past. No, something is functionally wrong with this Oregon team, and it's off. It's uh, frankly, it's offensively where they look brutal. They they look they look like a Bobby Hurley team. If, I'm, if we're being honest, um, uh, this year Bobby Hurley team. It should be said. I mean, because uh, most Bobby Hurley teams are fine offensively, right? They just they never defended before now. Well, they're fine. They're fine offensively in that they have guys that can take insane shots and make them. Um, <laughs> but like that's all they ever did. This is cons- I think Arizona State. This is consistent with what Bobby Hurley ball is. Um, it's just they don't have the shooters now. Um, Oregon looks like that. Oregon looks like mm-hmm. they're just they just don't have any cohesion or coherence offensively. It's you know dribble around and try to get a shot, or it's uh, dump it off and hope someone can go one on one down low, and that's it. After they've gotten after they've exhausted those two options, it's it's going to be one of those. It's a bit of a dead dead, dead end for them offensively. They're tough to watch. I I know Greg that you're a big believer in Dana Altman and Dana Altman's like you know getting better in February and March. I I can't I don't think see this it. team's gonna do this it. This does yeah. not look like they're gonna figure it out. I guess like, I'm sure they'll be better, but I don't think they'll be good enough for it to matter that much. Yeah. So. I don't know. They've got some. They've got some serious stuff to figure out. I have no idea. I have no idea if they'll be able to. Um, my down bad for the week. It's Washington State for me. Um, another disappointing loss. Except again, this time against against a team. I think a decent team. I'm not sure. Actually. Yeah, they're a, they're a decent mid major team. South Dakota but- State. Um, they did lose South Dakota State. Uh, I've absolved them from the Eastern Washington game because of their Eastern Washington loss earlier this year because they didn't have Noah Williams, who might be their best or second best player, and they didn't have TJ TJ Bamba, who's super important for them. They're back now. They were playing in this game, and they they did very little. Um, TJ Bamba actually had a had a really good game, um, but FA Abigidi again really quiet. Um, had a couple of blocks and like. He's he's still he's still a solid defender. Um, I'm still really impressed with him there, but just couldn't get anything going offensively. Noah Williams six points off one for nine shooting um, and three turnovers. Brutal brutal day for him um, against South Dakota State. I uh, and then you know I, I was really high on them throughout the season, like kind of up to this point. The Eastern Washington loss, I kind of gave up. I was really impressed that they pushed USC to the brink. I was very impressed that that was a 
you know, USC is a better team, we thought, and Washington State really pushed them to, to, to the last second and had many opportunities to win that game. That was not a a fluke by any means or what, what I thought. Um, and then to lose to South Dakota state at full power, uh, that's brutal for me. maybe there were circumstances that I'm not aware of, but it was at home. Um, again, at full strength. I don't know what was going on there, but, um, super disappointing from them. They might be a bubble team still. I think they're number 41 actually in Ken Palm, but, um, that loss kind of hurts my perception of them at the very least. When you face, when you play a home game against a mid-major team, I don't, you know, we're the conference of champions over here in the Pac-12. <laughs> and I'm quite sure whichever conference South Dakota State is from doesn't have the same same star power that the conference of champions holds. The same uh, Bill... je ne sais quoi. <laughs> and when Bill Walton is watching and you disappoint Bill Walton. Yeah, that's bad. Can't do you that. Gotta... You're gonna be running at the next practice. It's not. It's not a good. It's not a good thing. It's very sad. Forty-one points. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm looking at the wrong. Yeah, they gave up forty, almost forty points each half to South Dakota State. Thirty-nine in the first, thirty-eight in the second half. Um, South Dakota State shot fifty-three percent from the field, ten for sixteen from three. Um, brutal and then again another bad shooting night from washington state nine for 35 from three for washington state that game so yeah i i think uh i'm of the mind i am of the philosophy as someone who watches basketball and who likes basketball i'm of the mind that you should not rely on shot making to win your games um you gotta have good mm-hmm. defense and washington state did not so anyway there might down bad anyone else uh, have any other candidates well, i was for- just gonna say washington state i think is gonna be a weird team their whole year they're like there's gonna be a ton of variance you know because they'll have games like these where they lose to a mid-major you know uh and so they'll have games in conference play where they'll lose to the basement who i I guess maybe they'll lose to oregon state (laughs) but uh they'll also probably get ucla arizona or do they play usc again but like yeah they do in february I wouldn't be surprised if they won maybe like even more than one of those games just because like when they're on, they're really good. Yeah. And my, I mean, my down bads were Oregon and Washington state. Like if I had to choose two, those would be the two. And I know since you, Greg chose Oregon, Carlos chose Washington state. I'm just going to go with Kyle Smith. That was some poor coaching. Mm. I mean, if you, it doesn't matter who you're facing, you need to prepare your team for victory. And as Carlos was saying, 30-plus shots from a three and not many made. you got to find another way to get the ball in the hoop. And when you have Mohamed uh, Gouai, is that how you pronounce his last name? I think, is it Gay here? It's Gay. Mohamed Gay. Mohamed Gay. When you have him, (laughs) I mean, he's an athletic freak. Trust him a little bit. I know he's still very raw. His potential is very raw. But if Noah Williams isn't getting it done, trust another one of your uh, budding prospects to make those moves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah uh yeah i think we covered all the down bad teams i think um the thing that's hard and we'll get into this a little bit just talking about the tiers it's pretty disappointing that at this point there's three elite teams in the pac-12 two bubble-ish teams in utah and washington state and then a whole lot of bad um to mediocre mediocre best um so Ah, I kind of had high hopes for the Pac-12, but we'll see. Maybe some of these teams turn it on and kind of infuriatingly get good and um, 
get good in you know January, February, March when we move I mean, into conference I, play. I mean, Utah has Riley Baden, and if you have Riley Baden, I think it's possible you can win out the rest of the season. <laughs> That's right. Brandon Carlson is good. Um, maybe shout out, maybe shout out Utah for peak of the pack. I don't know about that. It was Manhattan. No, they lost to TCU, and it, like that's actually was, yeah. Uh, let's talk about that really, really quick. They're my down bad because I forgot about that. Um, they lost to TCU, and it was largely not competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, TCU was really in control of that the whole game. It's problematic, I think, because TCU matched up well, I think, in terms of Ken Palm ratings. They were very close to Utah. That was a, a test for Utah to see what they could do with the, against a team of a similar caliber. And Utah, I mean, they're not full, full strength, but they've got some of their guys back now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty disappointed. I don't know, Greg, you watched the entirety of that game. What did you think? Well, TCU had a player who I'm trying to remember his name, but... Uh... Yeah, Mike Miles, who cooked Utah. Um, I think the first 12 points that UCLA... uh, I don't know why I said UCLA. The first 12 points for TCU in that game, I think, came from him. I thought Utah was doing a great job at the beginning of the game. The problem is, like the problem is usually, they just couldn't find, like, the offense where it matters. And I guess in a game where it's 76-62, it doesn't sound like, you know offense was the biggest problem but I really do think that the lack of shot making and just ability to get shots against TCU uh hurt Utah a lot on the defensive end too because they just had to run and transition transition so much that it just tired them out yeah I mean it was uh it was hard to watch uh TCU was was sort of pushing it and uh you know it just felt like it just felt like Utah kind of the, the dam broke a little bit, I think, for mm-hmm. Utah. Yeah, like, first quarter of the game was neck and neck, and then just, like, right after that, Utah had a long stretch of not scoring, and it basically, TCU maintained the gap and grew it a little bit as the game went on. Yeah, I think I think Craig's done a great job in his first year at head coach at Utah, but I feel like this is a game that he, he that should have been a win under his name. Um, it's a game you... Probably, I mean, he likely never had a say in this game being on the schedule, but this is a game you probably looked on the schedule. It's a strong non-conference game against a Power 5 conference. You want to win it, and they just didn't look all that competitive. And I think it just, they they came back this weekend. They beat Manhattan. I mean, it's always good to get your momentum back up, especially as we're heading into the beginning of the real conference play starting. So, I mean... If you get a few of those guys, I mean, I, I saw in the Manhattan game, Craig let the bench roll for a little bit. I mean, you know, let a few things start to develop. You know, losing to TCU may hurt, I mean, the grand scheme of getting in the tournament in the long run, but always defeating a mid-major by a lot it says a lot about your char- the character of your team. When you're struggling with those mid-majors, it says a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Utah, that's something that's, very, I, like, I don't think Utah's going to have a ton of variance just because they've got a floor that is higher than a lot of teams just because they're always playing good defense with the way he coaches. Uh, and coming up, they've got Missouri uh, next Saturday, and that's going to be that should be a good test. I think these two are also pretty similar teams and uh, would be a shame for Utah to lose to all the good non-conference opponents. Or I guess maybe not good, but like... You know, lost to BYU, lost to TCU, who is a 
Power Six team, and Missouri's another Power Six team, would be good to get one of those wins on the resume. It's ch- it's a challenge. You you need to win the challenge games. Yeah. And when you're in Pac-12 play, every game is a challenge play challenge game. So you want to win those games. I think Missouri is a good test. Um, Missouri's coming off of a pretty terrible loss to Kansas, but that's to be expected with Missouri's call. I think Utah would probably lose to Kansas by a fair bit as well. So you know, beat the teams that are at your level. Because if you're not beating the teams at your level, you're below that level. Yeah, I think Utah should be favored in that game. Uh, Missouri's only 500 right now, 5-5. Five and five, But uh, at the same time, you never know. And it's not a mid-major, so you got to show up. Yeah. Okay, well, let's. I wanted to ask you all just a quick question here. Because I think that, and we talked a little bit about this and about these two teams in our peak of the pack. So I have a question for you too, just to kind of get away from the middle of the pack and the, and the bottom half of the pack here. Is Arizona the best team in the Pac-12? And specifically, are they better than UCLA? Let's start with Ben. What do you think? I'm going to go with no. Until I see Arizona face off against UCLA and I see Arizona actually um, defeat UCLA, I'm going to go no for the time being. Um, UCLA... Uh, is coached very well. Arizona's coached very well as well. Um, but I do think that as of this moment, I would put UCLA above. And the only reason why I'm going to say this, though, I think UCLA is more scoring options. I think Arizona relies on three, four guys, um, Coloco, uh, Matherin, and, uh, uh, you know, and Kirk a few Risa, others. Christian Coloco. Exactly. And Tabellas. Yeah. Oh, and, now that we're saying it, it sounds like they have more than four to me. Well, I mean, that's, that is four, right? That is four, Coloco, yeah. Tabellas, Azulis, Matherin, Crisa. Azulis, Tabellas, uh, uh, Azulis, Tabellas, uh, Christian Coloco, Ben Matherin, Kirk Crisa. And do they have another, like, guy I, who's going to... Those are the four Pella guys Larson. that are scoring for them. Pella Larson. Nah, okay. Nah. okay, all right. Nah. All right. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not a guy that's, you know... Uh, Lloyd yeah. is going to the sidelines. Yeah. He's not creating plays for him. Um, UCLA, I can list seven or eight guys that mm-hmm. are playmakers for UCLA. I mean, Jalen Clark, he's not a guy that's scoring often, but he knows how to get to the hoop. Um, he's going to create issues for you. Peyton Watson, he's lanky. He's lanky as hell. I mean, he may not have the jump shot that I think a lot of UCLA fans expected him to maybe have at this point of his uh, collegiate career, but he's still very young and he. He creates a big issue on the court. And, you know, Juzang, he struggles some games, especially in the first half. I know Carlos can uh, agree with that as well. Um, he he he, uh, he shared a lot about Juzang last year about his <laughs> struggles in the, in the first half of the season. Uh, but the, just a testament of trusting your guys to make shots. Jules Bernard, David Singleton, I mean, those guys have been with the program forever, and they're shooting better than they ever have. So I think that I think that says a lot about the, the ability of the team. The only thing I would struggle, I think that UCLA struggles with, especially matching up against Arizona and maybe later on USC as well. They don't got the big mans. Yeah. To, yeah. To, to to compete in that way, though I don't think Mick Cronin necessarily needs his teams to have the big men to do that. But watching Coloco play, watching Tubelas play. I'm I I gotta say, Miles Johnson and Cody Riley and maybe Kenny Nuuba. I'm not as confident that UCLA would put up that fair fight in the paint. Yeah, they're gonna struggle, and um, it's a it's a different big men year in the Pac-12 than last year. 
when it was really just Evan Mobley that UCLA really had to worry about. I totally agree with the point you made about, like, UCLA's depth is really where they have the advantage, because, like, Juzang can have an off night, you know? Like, they don't need Juzang to be what he was in the tournament for them to win games, because they've just got so many other guys who can make a difference. They've got, you know, Mick Cronin just has options that Tommy Lloyd doesn't have with Arizona. What uh, That being said, Arizona also definitely has the better bigs in the matchup, and I also think... I'm really high on Ben Matherin. Like, he might be the best player in the conference. I think it's close with him and Hakez. Those would be the top two for me. Or I guess maybe Coloco up there too. But um, I feel like it's really close between the two teams. I'd probably give the edge to UCLA just because I've seen it more. They beat Villanova, who I think is the best team either of those two teams have played. But, like, if it's Arizona, like, come the end of the season, if it's Arizona, I won't be that surprised given what we've seen from Arizona so far this season. Yeah, for me, uh, that's a tough one. I, I I go back and forth with this. I think at this point Arizona has had the better season. They've looked better. They have dominated teams that they needed to dominate. Um, and just based on, like, I, I guess when I look at the resume rankings and the AP poll, like Arizona should be ahead of UCLA, if I'm being honest. Uh, UCLA has played with its food, uh, maybe a little bit less so lately. Uh, and Arizona has had no problems blowing the shit out of teams. Like This was their first game. Illinois was the first game where they didn't win by more than 10. Uh, Wichita State. They did. They did. Wichita, Wichita State like, yeah, was the just other scra- one. Just scraped by. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They did scrape um, by that one. I, but just real quick, I think... Um, I think... I think UCLA is certainly deeper. Arizona, we saw against Illinois, we got to see one of the few times just how deep they can go. They're eight men deep. That's that could be a problem. Um, they get that that rotation gets really tight. Again, UCLA does this, something similar, but I think they can get to nine or ten if they really need to. Um, and I think that's just going to go a long way. But I think UCLA has better depth. I think the the wings for UCLA are some of the best in the country, whereas I don't think Arizona has the best bigs in the country. They have the best bigs in the Pac-12, but I don't think I'd put them on the level of what UCLA's wings are. Um, I It's going to be really interesting. They played December 30th. That's going to be fun. That's going to be gonna, so fun. Yeah. That's going to be must-watch television. If you're a Pac-12 fan, you're a Pac-12 ca- uh, casual, that's appointment viewing. That's like... Get get that on your calendar. Arizona UCLA December thirtieth. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be telling. It's gonna be interesting. So and that'll be at Poly Pavilion. So um I am in the Sacramento area till the till that day. And I am driving back for that game. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be an I environment. Mean, I mean I hope so. I, I hope it'll be an environment. December thirtieth, no students, oh, but Poly Pavilion, Arizona. I think there will be people there. I know it's I know students may be away. Um I know it's uh, UCLA gets the rap for not filling out Poly Pavilion. But weirdly enough, a lot of the big games happen when students are not in classes at that time. Which I hate. It's, Why do we do it's, that? That's insane. I, it's, it always happens to UCLA. And the Pac-12, <laughs> here's the thing. I just want to rant about this. The Pac-12 does not treat UCLA-Arizona as the rivalry that it is. It's, it is the top it, rivalry in the Pac-12. It's the best basketball mm-hmm. rivalry in the Pac-12. Two-storied programs, one blue blood, and one top 15 program all time. Maybe top 10 program all time. And the, and the Pac-12, I hope Daddy George fixes this. That needs to be elevated as... The premier rivalry in the Pac-12. That needs to be treated the way that the Pac-12 treats Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. Like, 
that needs to be given like major recognition. Don't put it on December 30th when you, when students won't be around at UCLA, don't put it on like a weekday, like make it the rival, put it on primetime on a, on a, on a Thursday if you really want to, but like that has to be the premier rivalry in the conference. Put it prime time. that way. Put it prime time and have Bill Walton and Dave Pash on the call. Beautiful. And the world will tune in. I promise exactly. you. Almost certainly. Especially because that's likely to be a top ten matchup. Oh, it certainly will. Um, it's... Yeah, I don't. I don't see a. I don't see a way that either of them are still not ranked top ten by that day, unless unless UCLA really gets decimated by North Carolina. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move on because I uh, we're getting a little long here, but let's let's just keep going here. Uh, ben, we hear that you have some uh, hot takes that you want us to uh, to to sink our teeth into. How about you share uh, one of our one of your uh, hot takes here? Okay, uh, hot take numero uno. Here we go. The first hot take I have is Andre Kelly will personally carry. Cal into the Pac-12 tournament semifinals. Oh, you know, I like this. I thought Andre Kelly played pretty well this year. At the same time, I also thought like when he played a hobbled Brandon Carlson against Utah, he was not the better big in that matchup. And Brandon Carlson is not the best big in the Pac-12, especially not when he's hurt. So I do think they could have some problems, but at the same time, like he's just got it. Like <laughs> he's fun to watch, and I could, I could see him driving them to a run. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, when you have Oski on the sidelines, <laughs> yes, in Vegas, that staring power. Oh yeah, staring down the other team. I don't think I want to be the other team. And the Cal mm-hmm. band and their fun outfits. Oh God, don't want to play them. I don't want to play Cal in the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, I don't think I want to play any team except Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament, but I specifically do not want to face Andre Kelly when it gets down to business. Yeah, he's had a great year. Um, 15 points per game, nine rebounds, um, half a block, you know, doesn't really turn the ball over a lot, uh, off 65% shooting. Now, obviously, he's a big. He's not He's not exactly taking a bunch of jumpers, but 65% is still pretty impressive for a big uh, per PER, which uh, I know Greg does not like at all. Uh, he's got twenty eight point four, but nine. He's he's so he's their best player in that regard, and then their best player in box plus minus uh, by far. Like so, uh, very interesting. I mean, uh, the Pac twelve has some great bigs this year. Uh, so I'm, I I I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'd I'd like him even if they get blasted by Arizona. I'd like to see what Christian Coloco and uh Azulis Tubelis do with him uh kind of early on in games because that's when we'll get a good you know good indicator so interesting hot take I how, how hot is this Greg give it a give it a one to, give me a one to five five being spicy spicy I'll give it a four okay I, I could see it happening but I don't think it will I think it's pretty hot okay all right uh, I'm gonna give I, it. A, I think it's a very good hot take I'm gonna give it a three just because here's why I think there's three very very good teams um and the rest of the pac-12 is gettable if uh you know four of the top seeds if cal manages to kind of slot themselves where they get lucky and they get the fourth seed and maybe that's a utah maybe that's a washington state they get past maybe you know who would be in their first round matchup maybe like an arizona state a stanford i could see it 
Um, so I'm gonna give it a. Th- I'm gonna give it a three. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay, you got another one. Yes, I do. All right, let's hear it. Preseason, I, 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 I said to friends, to my brother, to other people around in the Pac-12, you know, universe, that Colorado was gonna finish bottom half in the Pac-12. You know, yeah. I've watched many Pac-12 games now that Colorado has been a part of. Their non-conference slate, their game against UCLA. Uh, I believe they played another game as well. Um, and I got to say, I think I'm ready to book Colorado bottom two in the conference. Bottom oh. two? Bottom two. Wow. I mean, with, uh, go ahead. It's that Oregon it's with, State and Colorado. It's with Oregon State, yes. Yeah. Wow. Oregon St- I don't know. Oregon State's bad and i don't know if okay so here's so let's let's talk about the merits of this argument because uh of this hot take colorado has not looked good they have been competitive in every game no matter how bad the opponent is they are not blowing away anyone like their worst absolute worst biggest trash opponents they've been escaping um and that's been very concerning if you're a colorado fan like just watching them scrape by these like teams that they're they should be favored by 10 or more like it's just it was milwaukee they only beat them by 11 and milwaukee was was pretty close eastern washington beat them by three um kind of got regular normal beat down by ucla and tennessee which is kind of surprising and then only beat stanford by four brown by two duquesne by eight um beat the shit out of maine but then only beat new mexico up that New Mexico team's bad, only beat them by 11, and again, very competitive, and then Montana State only beat them by four. So I hear that argument, but also they won those games. <laughs> uh, and Arizona State loses a lot of those games, and so does Washington. And Well, here's the argument, though. I mean, you have Washington, who has a perennial scorer in Terrell Brown Jr., okay? Yes, that's that true. That is one score. Colorado... Mm-hmm. Has Evan Batty and Jabari Walker on some nights. Yes, that's fair. Okay, Arizona State, they've got guys shooting at the hoop all game long. They don't. Some of those nights, the shots go down. Okay, mm-hmm. some of them, not all of them. We saw what happened against Washington State, but some of those nights, those shots they bank all game long. And then, Colorado really doesn't have a guard game. I mean, they really trusted McKinley Wright, like really trusted him. And they have Bartholomew now, but Bartholomew really isn't that guy. And they've got freshman uh, K.J. Simpson off the bench as well. And Tad Boyle really seems to rate K.J. Simpson. He's got, I believe, one of the worst plus minuses on the team. And he continues to see court time all game long. I know statistics, especially plus minus, don't necessarily tell the full story. of, But it just shows that he's not being efficient on the basketball. And... I think this might be the end of Tad Boyle's reign if he's really not able to pull things together. Yeah. To make a little bit of an excuse for Colorado is they were counting on a point guard to transfer in. I can't remember his name for some reason. And like at the 11th hour, he decided to go somewhere else. Uh, Again, can't remember, but he wanted to be closer to home. That hurt them a lot. They were counting on having that guy. But uh, you're right. It's been... It's not been great. Tad Boyle has not been impressive this season, and some and some uh, disappointing and some disappointing play from a guy they also thought was going to give them something. Keyshawn Bartholomew, um, he's like he kind of figured to be a dark horse All Pac-12 guy that people thought he might be most improved, and 
he's been good. He's been okay. Um, but he's not been, I think, what they need him to be. And Jabari Walker, you're right. Like sometimes he's he's sometimes he's hot and sometimes he isn't. Uh he's shooting forty four percent from the field this year, twenty four percent from three. Um, and sometimes they just kind of go missing for large stretches of games. Uh and yeah, at that point it's all it, on Evan uh Batty and and frankly there's a lot. There's a. I mean, I I kind of think I like this take because Evan Batty's gonna have to go against what bigs that are all better than him. Brandon Carlson at Utah's better. Washington State has two bigs that are better than him. UCLA, we just saw Miles Johnson took Miles care Johnson of him. bullied him. Yeah, he and bullied him on the court. He bullied Evan Batty. Um, Arizona obviously has Christian Coloco and Azulis Tubelis. USC has uh, I I think Chavez Goodwin and Isaiah Mobley are both better than him. Yeah, I mean that's. I I actually don't. I actually don't think this is a hot. This may not be a hot take. I know it's a hot take. It looks like it because Colorado's winning games right now. Mm-hmm. But ostensibly, Pac-12 teams are better. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Uh, I'm, yeah, I think I'm gonna give this. A, I'm gonna give this a two, Ben. This is this is a little lukewarm. Oh, I, think, I think this is a great one because it's like a good one. Not a lot of people have considered it. But it's totally within the realm of possibility. I love it. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it would be surprised to see both Tad Boyle and Tress Tinkle out of here, especially you mean Wayne, Wayne Tinkle. Tinkle. Uh, Wayne Tress is his there's, son. Too, there's too many Tinkles at this point. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I know. Um, I would not be surprised if if both of them are gone. I know it's much more difficult for I think ADs to push out basketball coaches. I know Tinkle got an extension after the lead eight run. Um but you expected, at the very least, Oregon State to be competitive. Colorado was booked like many many analysts had them as locks for the tournament this year. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Colorado to be this bad, but I did. So I think I should give myself some credit. <laughs> yeah, about Oregon State, eight-game losing streak. They won one at the beginning of the season, and they've lost eight straight. Jared, Jared Lucas is their only player, I think. That is good. I know Warren. Alt- I know. I know. I know. Alatiche is a. St- He'll be here for Oregon State this year. I don't think he goes to the NBA. I think he uh, says goodbye to Oregon State and play- tries his luck elsewhere. Um, it's it's that dire in Corvallis. Yeah, I, w- I would not want to be there if I were a player. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm curious to see where all those guys go. Um, that'll be. I love the transfer portal now just because like you don't get, you don't have to deal with the year losing a year of eligibility or having to sit out. You just can find another team. It's going to be really, really It's fun. an off season show. It's the, it's, great. Um, it's the extra, extra bit that we all love to watch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So we're running a little low on time here, but what I'm going to do, I wanted to give my rankings of the pack 12 teams just to give people a sense of the hierarchy and where teams are. And uh, Greg and Ben, just uh, after I go through this, just give me a quick quick reaction to that. And we'll move on to our game predictions. All right, so tier one, I've got I've got Arizona at, at number one. Uh, I think that they've just had a better season. I think UCLA is better, but they got to prove it. So Arizona number one, UCLA number two, and USC number three. I think those are the three elites. Those are top ten teams, uh, frankly, which they is are. they're they're genuinely top ten teams. Uh, tier two, I think. I struggled with tier two a little bit. I think this these are bubble teams, bubble-ish teams. Utah at four, 
Washington State at five. I think I trust Utah and Washington State a little bit more. Uh, Utah more than Washington State a little bit. Uh, and I threw in Colorado in there just because they're winning games, but I might have I've kind of struggled to put them in in, in this tier, if I'm being honest. Um, and then the second, the third, third tier, the third tier, uh, just the trash tier. I think um, Arizona State leads the pack there. Although you've kind of convinced me, maybe they should be a, uh, on the top of this trash heap. Cal at number eight. That's who I, uh, you know, maybe they should be at number top. Ben, it's a good point. Uh, Stanford at number nine. Oregon at number 10, Washington at 11, and then uh, the final tier, tier four, uh, what I what I called on Twitter, the what have you done tier, is Oregon State. So, Greg, give me just a quick reaction to these. Any disagreements? Any, any changes you'd make? I'd probably put Washington State ahead of Utah just because I like what they, like, they've had the worst losses, but I also like what they can be more than what Utah can be. It's fair. Washington State's got a higher ceiling. Uh uh, I mean, I'd probably bump Colorado down to trash as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't think about it because the record looks good, but they they good. haven't looked good yeah, like Ben was good. talking about. So, yeah, not much else though. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I think um, I'd also bump Washington State above Utah. I think Washington State gives more versatility on the court. Um, I do really like Utah though. I think that if they can put it together. Um, they're making the tournament. I I have a lot of trust in Utah for a team that needs to prove itself. Um, and then I think I think Stanford deserves a good shout. Um, Harrison Ingram looks like a great basketball player, and um, I don't think he jumps to the draft. So I think he's a guy that's going to be around at Stanford for a bit, and maybe they can build around him. Yeah, yeah, maybe they do. They did it with Reed Travis for a few years, and that was fun to watch. Because you never wanted to face Reed Travis, so I think this is it's a good it's a good sign uh, for Stanford to beat Oregon, even though Oregon's pretty terrible. I would have bumped Stanford up a bit, maybe. Okay, maybe, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I feel like seven through eleven, like Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, could put them in any order, and you could you could convince me that that makes sense. So, all right, well, thank you all for engaging that. Let's uh, let's get out of here and do some game predictions. I picked three games for us this week to pick from um, games that I think casuals might want to keep an eye on, although maybe only one must watch here over the next week. The first one I have here, UC Irvine uh, plays USC in the Galen Center on Wednesday, December 15th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Look this up. USC is an 11 point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? Um, I'll go with USC to win and cover. They've... I mean, they when they beat teams, and I guess they've beaten everyone, I feel like it's usually pretty comfortable, and they should be comfortably better than uh, UC Irvine. So I'll take them to cover, although I think, I mean, 11 is a good line. So Yeah, I've got USC to cover. They um, I'm not sure what the line was for the Long Beach State game. Long Beach State pushed them. I, I don't know. Maybe Long Beach State is better than UC Irvine. I, we have no idea. Kind of... I don't know anything about UC Irvine other than I think Long Beach State looked good. So, I don't know. Win and cover. Truck stops. Ben, what about you? I think they will win USC, but they will not cover. It's not every day you have to face off against anteaters. And it's <laughs> a non-easy non task. Um, but UC Irvine has a solid win against Boise State earlier in the season. Boise State's not very good. 
but it's a win, non-conference win, against a usually okay mid-major team. So I think they'll put up a fight, but USC is overpowering compared to most uh, Big West schools um, that they'll face off against. Yes. Uh, all right, there we have it. Clean sweep for USC, except Ben doesn't think they'll cover. North Carolina and UCLA traveling to Las Vegas. Yet again, another Las Vegas game for UCLA. Um, on Saturday, December 18th at 12 p.m. Pacific at the T-Mobile Arena. North Carolina, look this up. Uh, five and a half point favor on the Action Network. Ben, who wins, who covers? I think uh, North Carolina wins, uh, but UCLA stays close, and I think it's a very close ball game. Um I think UCLA needs to prove itself with a big win. Uh, I just think that North Carolina may be the better team at this time. It's always difficult to play against um, athletic coast conference teams. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that North Carolina is not great. I think, uh, you know, just kind of looking back at their record, I think they had a, what did they have? They had a loss to Purdue, loss to Tennessee, both of them pretty comfortable. Is UCLA on that level? I think they are, but... It's a blue blood, and blue blood stuff always gets kind of weird. UCLA needs to win this game. Uh, I'm going to say they do. I'm going to say they figure it out. They've been much better. I, thought, I think they are more bought in, and maybe we get Cody Riley for a little bit of this one. He's day-to-day at this point, so if he is, that'll be huge. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, so Kempom has uh, UCLA's a four-point favorite in this game, but early season lines from computers are always a bit a bit weird just because they're still relying on preseason expectations but um Caleb Love's been good for North Carolina so far this season he's a good player scary for UCLA I'm still gonna take UCLA just because I think that it's like you we said earlier about uh UCLA's uh depth specifically with the wings it's just a lot for any team to deal with and if Miles Johnson's gonna keep playing like he has especially with some Cody Riley minutes mixed in I think they can pull it off, although I well I guess yeah, if North Carolina is a five point five favorite, then obviously they'll cover. But I don't think it'll be a I don't think it'll be a big margin. I think it'll be really close, fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be fun. Last one here, Saturday, December eighteenth at seven PM Pacific, same day, seven hours apart. Baylor is playing a true road game traveling to Eugene to play uh five hundred Oregon. Couldn't find a spread on this one, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw this out here. Oregon minus 20. Let's say plus 20. Uh, plus 20. Oregon plus 20. Oregon 20 point dogs. I'm just going to set the spread here. Who wins and who covers that spread, Greg? Give me the Baylor Bears uh, to win and cover. If that's the spread, not taking Oregon to cover any amount. I'm giving him the, the Colorado football treatment of I just don't trust that, yeah. that offense to do anything. Ben, what about you? I agree with Greg. Um, Baylor by 40. Um, I have zero trust in Oregon to play close with Baylor at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. They have been Baylor's number one right now. Yeah, yeah, and Oregon has been blasted by just top regular top twenty-five teams. Uh, <laughs> have de- just low-end top twenty-five teams. Baylor blew the shit out of who did they just beat? They just beat the shit out of someone. Villanova. They Villanova. Won, yeah, that's they, right. They just they, beat the shit out of Villanova. Mick Cronin's dream of holding a team to like thirty-seven points. It was quite wonderful to watch um uh but also i feel like this game if it's going to give us something it's going to give us our eyes blinded by the neon (laughs) (laughs) yes that is right okay that's it for us we're here every tuesday morning talking pack 12 hoops for greg at banana morphs and ben at the ben royer i am carlos at equity bruin 
Thanks for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one.